Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30 and time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy and uh, we've got a real surprise in the studio this morning. A few people we haven't heard from for a little while. First up... Good morning, Margot McDonald from the Garden Tap Nursery. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, listeners. What a lovely autumn day it is. Yes, yes, we can finally say autumn. Yeah, finally, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, summer seemed to stretch on forever this time. Oh, my word, yes. We're we're over it and we're enjoying the nice cooler nights and days. Absolutely. But the soil, of course, is still warm and definitely time for planting. Yes, lots of planting. Yep. And planning. And oh, planning, yes, of course. <laughs> well, we've been doing that all summer. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely, waiting. definitely time to go and visit a nursery too. Oh, yes, yeah, very, very much so. Looking gorgeous. Yep, fantastic. We also have to say a very good morning to John Arnott, who's Manager of Horticulture down at Royal Botanic Gardens in Cranbourne there. Good morning, John. Morning, Pam. I'm a little croaky. Um, and that's the result. <laughs> we know of, why. Yeah, that's the result of um, MCG St Kilda having a... I'd call it a famous win <laughs> uh, against um, against Collingwood yesterday. I'm very relieved, actually, that uh, the doggies aren't playing till this afternoon, so I'm not croaky yet. No. <laughs> I won't be able to talk tomorrow. Oh, <laughs> uh, look, it was a it was a fun day. We, yep. it was. Uh, I, I mean, it, it, footy. I mean, I know this is a gardening show, but <laughs> footy. It's um, it it really is a part of the Melbourne culture, just oh. as you know. Free CR gardening show as a part of Melbourne culture. Absolutely. Um, we had fun yesterday. It was it was a tremendous day. Yeah. 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 I mean, everybody. Uh, I mean, even if they pretend they hate footy, they can't escape it. You if can't you're in no, Melbourne. No. 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 I mean, so, a girlfriend of mine flies down from Sydney occasionally to visit, and she always gets asked on the plane flying to Melbourne, "What team do you support?" <laughs> Thirty-five. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we had we had fun yesterday. Yeah. It was great. Good. Great. And it's good to see St Kilda get a win too. It was. It's wonderful. How many did they win by? Uh, we have tw- twenty-nine points. Ooh, that's um, substantial. But we finished with a bench of one. So normally you have you have four people on the bench and oh. we had a few injuries and things wow. like that. So it was in the face of adversity. Gosh, it was great. Great match. Makes it even better. Yeah, the wind, it does doesn't it all the sweeter. <laughs> Everyone pulled together. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was fantastic. So uh, excuse my croaky voice. <laughs> we'll manage. <laughs> we also have to say a very good morning to Lucille Strachan. Good morning, Lucille. Yeah, Lucille. Good morning, Pam and listeners. And of course, you're from the Growing Friends from Royal Botanic indeed. Gardens, Melbourne, and that means just one thing again next it's, weekend. Yes, it's our autumn sale. Fantastic. So we're all geared up, ready to go, with your nursery looking absolutely chockers at the moment, full of lovely plants. So, yes, we're looking forward to seeing everybody next weekend. Wonderful. And I see see you have a a courier, a native... um, Is that a courier on the front? Yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a mixture of natives and non-natives. Oh, we certainly do. We have a very prolific uh, group who raises uh, our native plants, and we have lots of things or quite a lot of things that are often endangered mm. or unusual yeah. amongst our Australian native collection. So, yes, indeed. Fabulous. Australian natives amongst all the rest. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Okay, more on that in a moment. Um, Margot, firstly, um, tell us a bit more about what's been happening up Kyneton Way. Well, um, there's been this um, desire to plant. Right. But because of the dryness, mm. Mm. Uh, people have been holding off. So yeah. we, we started to see a bit of a pattern that every time we just get a little drop of rain, <laughs> yeah. people are in the following week buying up and, and planting as soon as they can manage it. Mm. You know, because there's a bit of moisture in the soil and it's a bit easier to dig. 
So, uh, and then when it just keeps getting drier and drier, that sort of uh, eases off and they stay away. <laughs> they come in to look and they take notes and photos, you know, there's... Using the iPhone now to do the right. research. Yes. And then they'll come in and do a whole lot at once when it, when it rains. So it's, um, it's sort of a bit up and down. Yeah. But, um, it's very dry still, yeah. isn't it? Sadly. But we find a lot of people just coming in for therapy. They call it <laughs> therapy. <laughs> oh, I understand that so and, well. And they're buying things, like just one thing. So if they lose that in, a, in the hot weather... Right. They've still had the joy of it. Yes, okay. And one of the things they've been selling all season is an array of hydrangeas. Would you believe in this dry weather? Right. Good heavens. Yeah. But we have found, and I've just brought in a flower. It's a bit uh, old now, but um, of the hydrangea quercifolia family, right. yeah. the oak-leafed ones, yes. they're much, much hardier than yep. the big mop tops. Yep. Yep. And, you know, once they've got their roots down, they're, they're mm. really good survivors in the drought. And They'll even take hot west sun in the summer yep. and yes. survive it. So. Okay. And beautiful, beautiful autumn colours. Yes, so. that's one of the joys of yeah. that particular hydrangea. big, buffy plant, great big leaves, you know, yeah. lovely shapes. And they go beautiful, like red wine colours. Yes. Mm. And, and some of them keep their leaves, even in our frosty area, mm. they keep the leaves right through the winter. Yeah. So they're, mm. they're really handsome plants. So they you can think of a hydrangea as being tough and handsome. But the quercifolia group seemed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. You mentioned um, people coming in using their devices, phones, and for research. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. that's kind of happened in the last, well, well few years, but possibly, yes. possibly 10 yeah. years. Yeah. And they're not just taking photos so that they can Reference see a plant if they like it and walk back to their garden and sort of look at the photo and think, oh, yeah, that might do well in that spot or whatever. Yeah. But they're actually, at the present moment, Researching it, going on, you know, online yes. and, and, yes. and looking up how big yeah. it grows. And mm. Our job, in a way, has become a little bit easier for those <laughs> the savvy young ones. Yeah. yeah. We've just um, the, we, we've received some funding at the Cranmer Gardens from the Dale Trust, um, who are heavily involved in you know, a whole range of things around eucalypts. And we've done a, a 40 eucalypts, small eucalypts for home gardens, like a tour. Okay. But it's, oh. a, but it's a virtual tour. Oh. Um, and you can go up to a label with your phone and just hover your phone over the top of the, the, the label, the plant label, mm-hmm. um, and it'll bring up a website. It'll bring up some video of some of our horticulturists talking about the various eucalypts along, along the way. Yeah. It's qu- quite incredible. Wow. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's this interactive thing yeah. which is happening with yeah, people's, people's phones. Yeah. It's quite incredible. It is. Yeah. Well, it could be the technology. way that we need to go in nurseries, in retail nurseries. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To put enough information there because, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really hard. And you've never got enough time to really talk to everybody if you're busy. Yeah. You know, to That's talk right. To everybody That's about right. True. A if you've got a plant. The place is full of people. Yes. And, and yeah, labelling's always problematic too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. You yes. only need one child come through a nursery and the labels get strewn here, there and oh. everywhere. And, and, oh, and oh, wind, yes. which yeah, wind yes. blows yes. them off, you know. Yeah. come back with a night of wind yep. and yes. things from one end of the place to the other. Yes. Yeah. But it'd be worth, for, for visitors who are interested in eucalypts for, for home gardens, it'd be worth going onto the um, garden's website because mm. the information's also on the website. Okay. Okay. So what, what is that? You hold your phone over the label and it takes you to the garden's website and the pages. Mm. Okay. Those particular pages on the, right. on the website, but it's it's eucalypts for small gardens. Um, right. And have you got plans to to do other subjects? Um, absolutely, we do. Yeah, right. yeah. So it's just a really nice um, means of um, animating um, uh, you know, the gardens. It, uh, there's a tension, I, I think, with virtual reality and reality reality. And I think the really nice thing about gar- gardens is that 
you don't you don't have to look at a screen. Um, but it's so it's, it's been an interesting project because I've always been a little bit um, just a little bit doubtful about whether it's a good idea to look at a screen when you're out in nature. Well, yes, um, but you try and stop them now. The, <laughs> yeah, well, you the can't. horse is bolted. That, no, the horse is bolted. <laughs> um, but I think this particular project has demonstrated to me, at, at least, that yeah. um, your visit to a garden can be enhanced mm. using a device, yes. a phone or a, a yeah. iPad, an iPad or, or, something. Or, or something similar. Yeah, yeah. It's good. We, we often find with the plant sales that people c- will come along, um, not only photograph things, but often bring a photograph to uh, us to ID. Yeah. And uh, I've noticed that quite a lot in the last few sales. Yep. Uh, people are doing that more. And, of course, it's wonderful when they have iPads because you've got a much bigger picture to look at. You might have a better chance of identifying it correctly. Yes. Mm. <laughs> there's, there's some software, um, which is, I, I think it's, um, it's recognising the, the features and, and elements of different mm. plans. And if you have a white flower with a particular size and shape and stuff like that, it'll go, this piece of software will mm. search this database of images and suggest what that plant might actually be. Right. Okay. Which is kind of interesting. It, it, it's yeah. hit and miss. Yes. Uh, and, it, and it often misses by a fair margin. Yes, yes. I can imagine. Um, <laughs> yes. Yes. But, yeah. um, yes, so people... A bit will, like some uh, people's descriptions yeah, of plants. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> yes. indeed. Can you identify this twig? It has... Well, and you get that on radio a little bit, don't you? Of it's got green do. leaves yes. and white flowers. Yes, yes. that's right. Um, Okay. You must know what it is. You must yes. know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, it, it's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you, you really need to see something. or do. A, a, Certainly a photo helps, yeah. but to actually see it, to smell it, to, yeah. you know, mm. feel the texture of it, to yeah. look at not just leaves or flowers, but the whole, the whole plant. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. But, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, 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 it's a very interesting... Um, do you know... Has anyone taken any notice of how many how many hits has been on it? Oh, look, I don't know. I just glanced at it a few weeks ago when someone okay. I was trying to ID a plant myself, and yes. you know, someone suggested, "Why don't you have a look at this?" And it didn't get anywhere near the ID right. for this particular thing. Okay, because well, I think it is essentially a Northern Hemisphere website, so oh, a okay. lot of Australian native okay. plants yes. wouldn't be in there. Yes. <coughs> wouldn't be in there. Um, so it, there's a there's a a niche there for someone the, the, to do Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes, goodness me. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, we put our catalogue online, <laughs> but maybe there's room now with you saying that the, the Australian Garden has done this interactive website. Maybe we could organise something in future for our catalogue online mm. too. Yeah. Uh, it's photographs the or... You know, if people are looking for a specific plant. Yeah. 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 And it's something that would, would easily work for, for Melbourne Botanic Gardens oh, yes. as well. So yes. Um, yes. I hope the idea does does develop. And yep. yeah. Of course, it's probably all dependent on funding again, John. Yes. <laughs> Look, at, it, it, yes, a little bit, yeah. But, um, you know, these days with the... the you know, the phone can take really high-quality video and high-quality yes. yes. audio. Yeah. And um, it's... I think it's... Uh, there's, there's a bit of skill involved, mm. certainly. Oh, yes. Um, and those IT skills I, I don't have, I'm being left behind. Mm. Different generation. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Yeah. It's exactly right. I think we were born yeah. at the right time, were we? Well, in that respect. <laughs> in, in that respect. Yes. In, in that respect. We had a lot of good experiential uh, experiences, though, didn't we? <laughs> uh, we, we certainly Indeed. did. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. th- there was a seminar at the gardens this week which was um, called Rewilding um, Public Spaces. And essentially, it, this is Nature Play Week. Right. Um, and it was about encouraging kids to you know, not have screen time but have green time. Yes. Ah, um, yeah. And uh, it was a cracking seminar. But it just made me reflect that, um, you know, people of our generation, we didn't have screens and it was just no. normal for us to be outdoors. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. You know, that was the norm. But and it, particularly in our climate too. Yeah, indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, often we weren't welcome inside. <laughs> no. was, that was the parents' domain. When, okay, you've had something to eat, out yep. you go now. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <coughs> and the, under yeah. my feet. Exactly. And the rule of thumb is was when the street lights came on, that was, okay, <laughs> oh. so I've got to go. Go, that was it. it. There were two rules. Yeah, one time right. you had to be home for lunch, yeah. one time for tea. Yeah. Oh, that was it. And the and rest the of the time you could disappear and they didn't know where you were no. as long as you were no. out there. No, exactly. No, it was great. And we go exploring the whole district, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And playing, you know, ball games on the road. And oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Making um, cubby houses out yeah. of anything we could find. Anything. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's the uh, whole um, uh, green, the bush kinders, which are... Um, mm. Happening all over the place, so it's Kinder, but Kinder outdoors in in, in nature. Yes, oh, so it's wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So there's a whole movement which is the, this kind of bush. Actually, I think bush. I heard something about this on the news sometime during this week. During this week, yeah. this yeah. Nature yeah. Play yes. Week, yeah. yeah. And just a really nice idea for kids to little kids um, to go to Kinder, but it's not Kinder, which is indoors with you know structured yeah. yes. learning. Yeah. Yeah. It's completely unstructured learning out of doors. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the seminar they were talking, the first one was at the Derribin Parklands. Okay. Um, and now there's many hundreds of, of, of these bush kinders. We have one at, um, at the Cranbourne Gardens, which is a bush kinder for, for Koori kids. Oh, wonderful. Um, so possibly the first time in generations that um, you know, Koori kids are... Uh, putting their hands into the soil and actually learning about indigenous plants. And yes. It's, it's, it's a wonderful program. That's great. It's a really wonderful it program. Is. So does that yeah. operate during the year or only school holiday yeah, no, time? During, during the year. During yeah, the year. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And what age group, John? Um, so it's little kids. So yes, it's, pre, so it's, it's preschool. It's kindergarten, it's kindergarten age, age group. Age. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But Fantastic. It's, but it's kindergarten not indoors, it's kindergarten out of doors. And yeah. now there's a whole bush kinder network. Yes. Um, mm. And uh, mm. the, the, the seminar at... Um, on I think it was uh, Thursday at the, at the gardens was all about this network of, 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 of bush kinders and and just how powerful they are. Oh gosh! Um, you know there, there was some stats and I'll, I'll just I'm just trying to bring up the there was there was a couple of references to um, uh, for every hour kids spend indoors. Oh no! Listen, this one here: um, one in four kids. One in four kids have never climbed a tree. This is this what? is to the age of eight or, or, or nine or ten. Oh, I had my have own tree when I was yeah. growing up, and my sister wasn't allowed near it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. One in four kids ha- has, yeah. has not climbed That's a tree. That's a bit frightening, isn't That's, it? It is. Isn't it? It's quite extraordinary. Yeah. To think that one in four kids has never had the joy of, or the or the fear, or the yes. yeah, or excitement. whatever it is, the excitement, yeah, yeah. the yeah. interaction with. Um, or queening it over the rest down there. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And for every hour of um, green time, so um, being kid outside. outside, there's the equivalent of eight hours of looking at screens. Oh, oh no. eight hours. Eight hours. Eight so hours. for every hour, and, and this is you know, stats and things yes. like that. Um, but it's quite incredible. That but is. But one in four kids never, have never climbed a tree. Yeah. No, not I'm not, we grew up in a house in Frankston and we had many, many different trees mm. that we could, we could climb. Um, 
it was almost like an arboretum. I'd, I, I think the owners of the house must have known someone that worked at the Botanic Gardens. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there was a bit yes. of um, sneaky acquisition of plant material coming from the Botanic Gardens yeah. into this garden. What because wasn't used. Yeah, what wasn't used, because there were some really interesting things and some mm. quite unusual plants. There was, you know, was a nice form of ginkgo and there was a, a, really? pur- a purple beach and oh, um, gosh. all sorts of really interesting Wow. Really, so really you interesting really trees. had a, an early start to your oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. botanical career. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's really lucky. And yeah. we had, um, and every, there was, there was a tree for mood. Yeah. So if you were feeling like you were, oh. Oh, I don't know, need, needing to be yeah. challenged, you yeah. would try and climb this. Uh, we had a, um, uh, it was a, a lily pilly. And that was, oh, the, yeah. that was possibly the most challenging tree. Right. Yeah. Because that's where you could encounter spiders. Oh, <laughs> yes. You know, that dense well, canopy nice, in the yeah, That's yeah. nice big huntsman up in there. So you have to, if you're really feeling up for a challenge, you climb to the top of the little thing and just take on those those things. Yeah. And then there was the liquid amber you could just sit in and, yeah. you know, yes. there was all sorts oh, of different trees. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So it was like an arboretum. Fantastic. Yeah, but but one in four kids. Yeah, that's not, amazing. Not experiencing yeah. the joy of... Well, some of them never go out, especially in winter, because... You know, get home straight into the computer and doing homework or research, as yeah. you want to say. Yeah. And they just never get time to play. No. It's dark early. Mm. Yeah. 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 Terrible. So the rewilding was, um, it was a, a really lovely uh, series of talks on, on the, the benefits. And there's all sorts of benefits, health benefits, social benefits. Oh, of course. Of, of kids yeah. interacting with nature. Yes. Um, well, it's like the benefits of gardening, John. Indeed. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Therapeutic. I mean, you're being physical, it's, 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 you're out in the fresh air. Yeah. I mean, yes. I could, the list goes on. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. And the, 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 they were talking about the, the, um, the learning benefits as well. Yes, and, and for there were, sure. There were a bunch of teach, well, early, um, uh, early education, early education mm-hmm. people, and they were, they were talking in pedagogy. Pedagogical terms. Oh, well done. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they were actually talking about, in, in real terms, about um, the, the, the genuine learning opportunities that, mm. that happen when kids are interacting with nature. Fantastic. So there's social benefits, there's health benefits, there's learning benefits. It's just, uh, yes. it's, mm. a, it's a kind of a no brainer. Yes, yeah. um, absolutely. And I did have thoughts during the seminar that we're having to structure unstructured play in nature. <laughs> you know, there was yes, a, it felt yes, a little bit odd. Yes. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. A really good movement and a really great initiative to to encourage you know, that whole bush kinder and encourage children to get out in nature. But to structure have to have to put structure around unstructured activities. Yes, is yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Okay. I must get to a few community <coughs> announcements because uh, there's still things happening uh, out there, particularly on weekends, so we, we need to get to them. Uh, first up today, a reminder that, uh, that public meeting is taking place this afternoon, hosted by the Australian Plant Society Wilson Park Berwick Group. Great. This is at 2 o'clock this afternoon and it's being held in the Beaconsfield Community Centre which is in O'Neill Road in Beaconsfield. And this is uh, all about saving the helmeted honey eater from extinction. Um, and they're trying to uh, reintroduce um, some of the helmeted honey eaters back into the Beaconsfield Berwick area. Fantastic. So, um, yes, yeah, so that, that would be a very interesting meeting to go along to, particularly if you live in the area and want to be a part of this. Uh, the speaker is going to be Bob Anderson. He's president of the Friends of the Helmeted Honey Eater, 
and he's been 27 years as a volunteer supporting the helmeted honey eater. So that is at two o'clock this afternoon at the Beaconsfield Community Centre. Okay. Now also on uh, today, today is the second day of the Rose Society of Victoria's Autumn Rose Spectacular. This is being presented down at Garden World Nursery, which is at 810 Springvale Road in Brayside there. 10 o'clock through till 4 o'clock this afternoon. Hundreds of beautiful perfumed roses on display. Free advice on all aspects of rose growing from the experts and admission is free for that one. Now the uh, Friends of Burnley Gardens have got their next talk coming up. This is a really interesting talk. Um, They invite you to a walk and a talk with Dr. Chris Williams. Uh, He's entitled it Eat, Think, Talk and Grow. And uh, Chris is uh, a lecturer in urban horticulture at Burnley there. And uh, he was Burnley's uh, first PhD student. Now, um, Chris's garden is in the field station down there at Burnley. And it's a thriving backyard of little-grown tropical edibles. So he's managed to create a microclimate there. And he's going to be... uh, The idea is that you're going to go for an evening walk with Chris to see just what he's been able to achieve. There'll be things like exotics such as surin and spinach, Japanese and Chinese yams and sweet potatoes of different tuber colours and leaves. Um, And later on, there will be samples to taste of these. So uh, sounds like a really interesting talk. (laughs) That sounds really great. Yes, yes, absolutely. So this is coming up uh, next Wednesday, the 13th of April. Uh, It's taking place in room MB, which stands for Main Building, number 10 at Burnley Campus. 7 o'clock for the walk, then the talk is followed by the nibbles. So uh, uh, 7 o'clock start, which I think is is a bit earlier than some of their their talks usually are. Now the cost... Sorry, Lucille. Yeah, I got this notice. It looks okay. really interesting. The only thing that worries me is they're having a walk in the dark, though. <laughs> At 7 o'clock, it'll be dark. <coughs> well, I think that's okay. why they made it, brought it forward, but I think it is going yeah. to be dark. So, well, um, yes. It's yeah. Don't worry, everybody's, everybody's got mobile six. phones with torches on <laughs> <laughs> Not quite the same. No, it isn't the but same. It does, does sound a really interesting yeah. event. Yeah. You'll meet more wildlife, I'm sure. Oh, perhaps, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's right. A few possums yeah, after yes, the sweet yes. potatoes. Yes, yes. Exactly. possums. Okay, cost is $5 for members, for non-members $15 and of course bookings are essential because they have to cater for everyone. You can book by uh, going online to friends.burnley at gmail.com or you can phone 9035 6815, that's 9035 6815. Now next weekend uh, there's two gardens opening up um, and these are the gardens of Paul Bangay. Now uh, the first one is a special fundraiser for the Stephanie Alexander Kitchen Garden Foundation and this is Paul's current home that he's opening to the public. Now it's going to be quite an event both Saturday and Sunday. There'll be loads of uh, food up there. There'll be uh, wines and uh, local coffee uh, Paul Bangay and Stephanie Alexander Books will be there. There'll be um, an on-site raffle with uh, almost 5,000 worth of uh, top food and gardening products, uh, rare and exotic plants from local nurseries, 
a chance to meet Paul and Stephanie and learn more about the Kitchen Garden Foundation. And there will even be some um, local Kitchen Garden program schools in action up there as well as some music. Now, this is at Stonefields. It's located halfway between Kyneton and Dalesford. The address is actually 20 Belty Drive in Denver. And as I say, this is being run as a uh, fundraiser for the Stephanie Alexander Kitchen Garden. But as well as Stonefields opening, Paul's uh, former residence is also opening for the same weekend next Saturday and Sunday. And this is the Enchanted Gardens of St Ambrose, which is the old schoolhouse in Wood End. Now, uh, it's opening its gates to the public for the first time in over a decade. Uh, the property steeped in history, so it will be um, really interesting for people to get to both gardens and to see, um, to have a chance to see examples of two of Paul's gardens. And also, um, Craig Lidgerwood, botanic artist, will be displaying some of his latest artworks over the two days. So uh, the address of this second garden is at Seven Wood Street in Wood End. Uh, now, this is going to be open 9 till 4, uh, $20 admission, uh, payable at the gate. I should say that, uh, that uh, the other garden um, is $30 admission for that one, also payable at the gate. Now, uh, coming up um, next Sunday, the 17th of April, um, I've mentioned Villa Alba um, Museum and Garden have been holding a series of concerts in the garden and this is the second one coming up. It's happening, as I said, on Sunday, 17th of April, 3 till 5.30. And this is Jazz Australia presenting the John Hunt Swing Quartet with a tribute to Sidney Bechet. Now, it's at Villa Alba Museum, 44 Walmer Street there in Kew. Melway's reference there is 44H6. And if you'd like more information about the, uh, the jazz concert, you can speak to Diana. Her number is 52583936, 52583936. And uh, I might come to some others a little bit later on, but we've covered most of the ones for the next uh, week. It's certainly high time we invited our listeners to join us this morning. If you'd like to ask any garden question this morning or if you'd like to comment on anything you hear this morning, we'd love to hear from you. The number is 9. 9- Four one nine zero one double five. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. Lucille, let's start with you because I know you're going to have a huge range of plants there. We will indeed. And yes. I must say, I really love the way the friends have now put the catalogue up online before yes. the sale yep. because yep. it means people can search and, and choose exactly what they well, want. They've got time to have a really good look <clears throat> and yes. a good think, and, and yep. if necessary, do a bit of research about the plant. Exactly. Yes, so wonderful. How do they access that catalogue? What's, what's the website? Well, the website is the gardens website. It's www.rbgfriendsmelbourne, or one word, dot org. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that again. www.rbgfriendsmelbourne.org. So from, well, hopefully today... Maybe it's been up on Friday, I don't know, it, uh, but it should be uh, up there now. You can view the catalogue online. I just cracked it open then. 
Oh, yes. it is up. It, it, is, it up. is up, and it's yep, and it's looks, it is ab- like what I thought. <laughs> absolutely, yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's such That's a great. such a wonderful list of plans. Oh, mm. we yes, we do our best. I must say, well, we've been going for twenty eight years now. Oh, wow! Oh, and uh, so we're we're getting quite good at the job, I think. I think big oh, celebration indeed. in two weeks, two, in years two years' time. Yes. You bet your booties. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> But uh, so we'll have Australian native plants, as I said earlier. There'll be some that are uh, uh, unusual and some that are suffering uh, from rarity. Yes, and not available all the time, and some newer varieties as well. Bulbs and rhizomes with a variety there. Our herb collection is always uh, interesting and changing. And they're often in small pots, so people can buy multiples of those. Uh, Varea rhododendrons will be available. Pam uh, looks after, I'm sorry, Hannah looks after this section, and she does a wonderful job with the vareas, and they are just stunning-looking plants. Mm. And she has her bigger stock plants often uh, available for people to see, uh, so you can choose what you like. That's and she's a good there, idea. She's there to give information uh, as well. A broad a range of succulents, as always. Mm. We have an interesting variety of bromeliads. Uh, we have climbers and hanging baskets. Uh, and Rosemary looks after our camellias and does a wonderful job there. There's lots of interesting varieties there. And, of course, perennials. There's a huge range there. Shrubs, trees, and orchids. And we have plants for sun, for shade, for ground cover, yep. and all in between. Is, is one of the aims to reflect the diversity of the, the species which are in the gardens and to offer some of those? Well, uh, you could say that, home, yes, yeah? because most of our stuff does tend to come from uh, the botanic gardens. So we, yeah. we, we uh, often go with the staff. We have the garden staff at the botanic gardens are extraordinarily generous to us, and we couldn't operate without them. And they also help us to move our plants down to the sale site every time. So we couldn't do without them. And we, there's a group that usually go out with the gardeners to do the propagating uh, at certain times of the year. So, yes, most of our plants are yeah. from the botanic gardens. So it's an opportunity to take a little bit of the RBG home with you. Oh, yes, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yep. I, I've just noticed that there's a calistamine here, which is Calistamin wimarensis, mm-hmm. which is a newly described thing it's um that's i mean that's kind of cutting edge yes absolutely <laughs> yeah that's just wonderful. and some of them are, are, are endangered too mm. so uh, it's good to be able to propagate them and have them out in the public so that mm. there's um, a better spread of the plants they're less likely to be lost it's that, that conservation way. through mm. cultivation yes, yes. Concept, yeah. absolutely yeah. yes yeah and of course all money's raised go back into the garden so it's it it's a win-win does. Yeah, yep. it really is. It certainly does. Yep, fantastic, excellent, mm. and of course, as always, you'll have uh, lots of members of the growing friends there on hand to give oh, advice. Oh yes, most of our, our, our members will be there, and we also are very lucky to have a couple of the garden staff as well Great. who usually come along and contribute. Uh, and they're always much appreciated by people who want to ask questions. But yes, most of our, our members can, well, all of our members can answer questions on the plants they grow yep. and very happily do so. Excellent. How, how many people involved in the Growing Friends at, at Melbourne? Well, there's a group, I suppose there must be 28, 30 of us. Right. We're not all there at the same time. But 
that there's a working group, I suppose, of a 24-odd, I suppose, most of the time. And, of course, particularly near sale time as we get ready. Yeah, it's all it hands, yes, yeah. to, to the pump. Uh, yes, yeah, so yeah. we're, yeah, it's quite a big group. And do you yeah. still have a waiting list for uh, people yes, to get? Yes, we do. Yes, really? we do. Yeah. Mm. So they don't, people don't leave very willingly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been there since the beginning, so no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of them don't. Uh, maybe. <laughs> so it must be a nice sense of community. Oh, you, very much so. Do you this, operate one day a week, a, still on a yes, Friday? Yes, always on a Friday. Uh, and there are, we do have new members coming through. We've got quite a few new members who've joined us in recent times. And there's a, a fairly hardcore group that have been there. I think I and three or four others have been there for almost all the time. Marvellous. And others have been there for 10, 15 years, mm. others for five. You know, we appreciate anyone who can give their time mm. and effort to the gardens. So how long would you, if you were going to go on the waiting list... How long would it be, well, do you think? It depends, I suppose, on, on what happens to or why some members feel they have to go, whether yep. it's other family commitments or yes. whatever yep. it is. Maybe they're moving Indeterminate. Yeah. 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 But it'd be a great a way for younger gardeners, beginner gardeners, to go and learn. Oh, you would learn so a lot. It, it yeah. would. Yeah. It mm. would, although we, we, we don't say we need... Uh, horticultural experience, but it does really help. Yes. Yeah. Yep. But we're very willing to train uh, those who are keen and committed yep. Yep. to mm. join us. Mm. Yeah. And do people get to um, uh, request that they maybe work with the rhododendrons or work with the orchids? Or yes, you can do that. Right. Yeah. Yes, some um, of us get a little set in our way. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it has been, people have been moved around, but I, I, some of us like to stick with, I suppose, what we what know What you best. know, yeah. yes. So what's your So, yeah, area? I was just going to say, that's, that's it. <laughs> what's uh, your? Perennials. Yeah. Uh, perennials. Yeah. Her base is perennials. Yes. Yep. Well, perennials. Perennials. Yep. Okay. Yep. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and for instance, Hannah uh, has been looking after the Varea rhododendrons for a long time. Pam has been looking after the herbs for a long time. Rosemary's okay. been looking after the camellias for a long time. Okay. And they, they obviously develop a certain expertise in, mm. in doing in this. In those groups, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And are very willing to help others who are interested in learning Yep, as excellent. Well. Mm. Now, the nitty-gritty of the sale, um, mm. times, location. Right. Now, it's inside Egate at the Royal Botanic Gardens, Melbourne. Uh, now, for those who would like a map reference... It's Melway map 2LC2, and uh, the E-gate is along, uh, oh gosh. Birdwood Avenue. Birdwood Avenue, thank you very much. Mental blank. Um, so the gates open from 10 to 4 on Saturday and 10 until 3 on Sunday. And credit um, card facilities are available. Wonderful, because yep. it used to be cash only, didn't yes, it? Yes, it did. Mm. Yes, oh, but that's soon run out. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, we've been having the um, credit card facilities now for some time. Yes, that's yes. wonderful. Yeah, been on for years now. Fantastic. Yep. And again, I can imagine there'll be a great queue up before ten o'clock well, on we, Saturday. We, we certainly hope there's going to be a good <laughs> queue of people waiting to get in. Yes, wonderful. Indeed. Yeah. All right. We must uh, pause to go to our first call, and we have Anne out in Oak Park. Good morning, Anne. Oh, good morning, Pam. You're doing a wonderful job in there. Thank you. Uh, 
I've got an Allard's lavender and the tiny insects are eating it, so I suppose not being a, a blooming know-all, uh, the logical thing to do would be to cover it over, wouldn't it, with a, a plastic, um, transparent plastic bag or something like that to keep it uh, warm and also to keep the insects away. What sort of insects? Oh, just tiny little mites. You can hardly see them. My sister and I propagated these recently and they're flourishing. But, um, yeah, the tiny little mites, the insects, they get so hungry. What sort of damage are they, are they doing, Anne? Oh, the they lavenders? just gradually strip the plant of the foliage. Mm. So it's, it's like it's being eaten, chewed. No? Yes. Mm. Is, are these recently propagated plants, are they still in pots? Yes, dear. And have you got them in the shade or in the sun? Uh, part sun, part shade. Yeah, I think it's time to move them out into mm. the full sun. I yes. think that's the problem. They're getting sort of um, lanky and sort of soft, and that's attracting, and that's attracting the, the, the yeah. pests. Yeah. Yes, and it's, they're probably wanting to grow like mad now before the onset of um, winter. So yeah. I'd get them in the ground or bigger pots and um, and out in out the full into sun, full sun yeah. and, and yes. cut back on any watering. You know, harden them up a bit. Because generally speaking, lavenders are. Tough. Tough and yes. they don't have a lot of pests. No, no that's right. Animals. Most animals won't even eat them because they're no, so because highly or, you know, oil, in the oil. Aromatic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yes, well, we're never too old to learn and I'm looking forward to speaking to you after the show, Pam. It's about my poetry writing. I've waited 69 years to have my first book published. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. And well done. It's a very, it's a lovely book of poetry and each poem has a special message in it. Okay. Well, congratulations, Anne. Yes, well and, done indeed. Uh, yes, Pam, there'll be more, you'll hear more about this in the not too distant future. Okay. But you'll have a lovely day and remember, never fear while Anne is here. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Anne. Nice to hear from you. Bye-bye. All right, that number again, if you'd like to join us this morning, 94190155. 94190155. John, you've brought in a gorgeous array of, of plants. Look at them. I know, I'm really, they're stunning, and, and, and we've, we've gone from everything from flowers to berries to you name it. So I, <laughs> Off I, you go. I, I took a quick lap around the Australian Garden on, on Friday afternoon, and um, there's some banksias which are coming into, mm. into flower. Um, we've got a couple of banksias here. We've got, uh, there's a group of banksia spinulosa forms called the candles group, and there's bush candles and birthday candles and yes. giant candles. Yes. Um, the East Coast, the Banksia spinulosa, you know, we think Banksias can be a little bit finicky and some of the West Coast sand-loving um, uh, Banksias can be a little little tricky in, in Melbourne. Um, well, fair enough, yeah, too. That's, yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, but there are a group of, of East Coast Banksias which are much more robust and resilient, Erisifolia er- er- and Spinulosa. Right. Uh, and there's a bunch of, of these Banksias which are flowering now in the Australian gardens. Um you know, the banksias typically are flowering from now through winter and, uh, yeah, that's so, uh, and, and a little banksia here, which is banksia pallidosa, which, which is really a, caught my a, eye when you a, brought it in. It's yes. a gorgeous thing. It's got it a, sort of a, it starts as a, a, a flower, which is, um, well, it's green. 
and but it's silver. It's almost like got a metallic sheen yes. to it. Yes. Uh, and you know, over time they they do turn sort of a pale uh, a pale yellow colour. Mm-hmm. Um, but Banksia pal- pallidosa is is one of the Banksias that doesn't actually mind having moist soil. Okay. Um, so we've got it growing in uh, a location in the Serpentine Walk at, at 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 the gardens, and it's actually quite boggy. Right. In there, and it's sitting with another Banksia, which is Banksia roba, which is called the bog Banksia. Okay. Um, so East Coast Banksias, Banksia. Pallidosa and ro- and roba for for wetter areas. Yes. And spinulosa as being something which is you know tolerant of a whole range of, of um, you know typical garden conditions in southeastern Australia. How about the frost, John? Um, no, they're they're pretty good <laughs> through frost. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, they banksias have typically got those kind of leathery, hard leathery leaves. So. Um, yeah, no, we haven't experienced any issues at Cranbourne with with frosty Mm. conditions and banksias. But the other thing that really appealed to me about this one is the, it's tactile. It is tactile, I mean, it makes you wanting to do that, and I didn't know whether it was going to be soft to the touch or what, but that is really lovely. It's a gorgeous thing, yeah. Yeah, so so children would like that. Indeed they would. Yes. Indeed they would. And it's not a, one of the, it's not a huge cone by any means. No. Um, You know, compared to some other banksias you can get. Um, the men's easy eyes and those great big flowering banks. This one's actually quite dainty, but beautiful, beautiful oh, um, greeny, I think it's metallic gorgeous. greeny, sheeny foliage. Yes. Uh, flowers. Yes. So you said it's it's basically um, it's prostrate. Uh, this this particular form is yes. 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 So there there are bushy forms. Right. Um, small tree forms, and then there's a, a, a form which is practically prostrate. Okay. Yeah. And and how. How um, wide would it these, get? These individual plants might grow to about a metre, a okay. metre and a little bit. Yes. Um, but we've planted uh, numerous of them in one area. So oh, uh, lovely. We've, so we've you've created got a, real a living mulch. spread, a drift of yeah, it. Yes. Yeah, so there's a, a, a big drift of, of, of these. Oh, fantastic. All coming into flower now. Yeah. It's looking really, really good. Oh, it's very impressive. The, um, the, the berry plant here, it's one of the native cordylines, cordyline congesta. Oh, okay. And, you know, you, you couldn't squeeze too many more berries. No, you couldn't. Uh, in terms of particular no. Heavy with berries. Heavy with true. berries. And, yes, and you don't right tend, we don't tend to think of, um, well, I guess that just speaks to the, the great diversity of Australian native plants. Mm, but, of course. You know, East Coast forest species, we've, we've got quite a range of different um, cordylines. We tend to think of them as being New Zealand things. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, uh, but there are, there's a, a great diversity of, of East Coast uh, native cordylines, and at this time of year they produce these magnificent sprays of, mm. of red and sometimes black mm. um, berries. Fabulous um, for foliage yes. arrangements. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, well, absolutely. Yes. For, look, for, for the nature play... Um, event that we had this week, Warren Warbaugh, as our curator, uh, did a floral arrangement, mm. and, and these were the sort of the centerpiece. These mm. um, these red berries, and it was just a beautiful. Lovely. And that really spells autumn, doesn't it? It kind of does spell autumn. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and a much yeah. better alternative to something weedy like uh, hawthorns. Oh, yes, indeed. Hawthorns and hollies. Yes, yeah. Pyracanthus. Pyracanthus. <laughs> <laughs> All of those berries. Yeah. That's right. So it's uh, grow me instead. Yes, um, exactly. Uh, What's the foliage like? On that uh, it's it, it's c- it's quite um, uh, well. It's the strappy. It's a it's, yeah. it's a strappy leaf. Strappy leaf yes. f- foliage, yeah. but um, quite quite pronounced yeah. green. Yeah, yeah absolutely mm. green. Yeah, mm. yeah. Quite they're quite tall, quite robust plants. Yeah. There's a, a, a cluster of them uh, as you're walking out of the Gondwana Garden towards the weird and wonderful garden. Okay. Um, <laughs> so there's a we've got a big yeah. stand uh, of a copse yes. of, of, of these cordylines, and full of 
magnificent berries. Okay. Um, Wonderful. Some of the acacias, I mean, we tend to think of acacias as, as being winter flowering, but you can find an acacia which is going to be in flower at any time of the oh, year. Oh, you can. Um, basically, but this is acacia subulata, uh, which is an east coast, very gentle Graceful. That's sweet, yeah, it's yeah, a sweet, pretty, it's very, 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 very pretty. fine leaf, isn't yes. it? Very fine foliage, kind yes, of weeping very form. Fine flowers um, that's flowering at the moment in the in the forest garden, and that's in, uh, a New South Wales um, uh, acacia. The nice thing about acacias is, is that you can get one which is flowering practically all, all of the year. Mm. Um, but this is kind of heralding um, acacia season. It's a little ahead of yes. a few other things. Lovely. And a, and a really nice uh, scavola. Uh, here, which is Scavola calendulaceae, which is a highly succulent coastal Scavola, very, very tough, very, very robust, um, which is growing in the in the seaside garden. Okay. Uh, beautiful sprays of quite small, in Scavola terms, flowers, mm-hmm. um, but beautiful fan-shaped uh, blue, blue yeah, flowers. Lovely blue, With this highly yes. succulent, um, highly succulent foliage. Be good for... Uh, protecting soil on the coastline, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah, yep. absolutely, and mm. it is a dune plant. It's yep. a, it's a, it's a, so it, it would sp- have a good spread. It spreads really yeah, nicely yeah. and, yes. and uh, very yeah. ornamental and very, yeah, very a really tough ground cover. Yeah, in, yeah. In, in, the Scavola family are really good value, aren't they? Oh, they One plant oh, they will cover are. like up yeah. to three metres. Yeah. Yeah. It's just fantastic and yeah. flower for such a long time. And new varieties coming on the market all the time, new selections, interesting selections. Scavolas are a really interesting group. I'm not sure if any Scavolas are... We have sale. had some. Yeah. I don't know whether we've got any uh, at this sale, but we have certainly. I've noticed them being sold before. Uh, I'll have a quick little look here. We're catalogue searching. We <laughs> are, are catalog or under S. <laughs> yes. And yes. just one of the one of the. No, new I don't think we do. Okay. No. And, and just one of the eucalypts, uh, which is one of the eucalypts that we're featuring in the 40 eucalypts for, right. for, for, uh, for gardens, is eucalyptus leucoxylin, subspecies petiolaris, um, which is uh, just a beautiful pink flowering. Um, Very big flowers, aren't they? Very big flowers. So it's a dwarf tree? Uh, it's a, dwarf it's a small tree without being a dwarf tree. Uh, yes. <laughs> so less than ten meters. Oh, perfect. So the so the the, um, the criteria for selection was you know, less than ten. Less than ten meters. As, Fair you, enough. as being suitable, you know, sensible size trees for yes for for, for back gardens. So, okay. so what sort a lot of bark does that develop? Um, uh, very dark. No, stringy? not it's got beautiful trunks. So it's it's got bark on the, on the lower sections and clean trunks on the okay. on, on the upper branches. Mm. Um, but a very beautiful. Very beautiful tree, mm-hmm. and there's a there's another tree which is Eucalyptus cosmophylla, which is flowering in the forest garden at the moment, which is the cup gum, um, which is another one of those eucalypts which is uh, on the forty eucalypts, mm-hmm. and not surprisingly, there's a bunch of mallees, um, oh, yes. uh, which we which we've nominated as being terrific things for urban gardens just yes. because they're the right shape, size, form. Yes, yes. And oh, they don't oh, mind being chopped back. They don't mind being spring back. back. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, some of them have got beautiful. Bark, some of them got beautiful mm. flowers, mm. but they're the right, shi- right size and shape. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, one of the 40 eucalypts um, recommended for home gardens. Okay. Yeah. So, John, down, down at the uh, Australian Garden, are you trying to now create a, a feature of these trees that Absolutely. are on the list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, are you dedicating a section or something to well, them? Or? It's, a, it's a trail, so, so oh, it's a trail. you can... With your device, yes. hold it over a side yes. and it'll bring up Wander a map. along. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's there's a um, uh, there's a there's a, um, a self guided tour 
um, which is which is av- a- a- available. So it starts at the visitor centre, yes, um, and takes you to House and Hill, where there's a, 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 a range of mallees into the forest garden. So they're dotted all the way through the site. So rather than being a, 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 a dedicated collection in one area, yes, um, these these forty eucalypts are distributed through the whole garden. Okay, yeah, so forcing a, people to go and explore. Yeah, that's right. Yes. So it's a bit of spoto. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, excellent. Um, and there's some you know, there's some cracking trees. Some of them are very young, so we've we've planted. Um, because we think they're, they're, they were good to include in, in the trail, so we've recently planted them. Some some of them are, you know, really quite small. Something like the Lecoxland's been there since day one. So yes, right. You know, they're starting to be tree size. Yes, yeah, yes. And, and, and we really must acknowledge the Dale Trusts because they they were the people that sponsored. Um, us to, to, to do this trail. Excellent. And the Dale Trust, really interesting group. They've got a really interesting Facebook site um, and they're you know, dedicated to all things eucalypts. Okay. Uh, and I think this week is Nature Play Week. A couple of weeks ago it was National Eucalyptus Day. And uh, so the, so the, what's the project the history was behind the Dale Trust? Oh, he was a, a Norwegian forester. Right. Um, who uh, came to Eastern Australia and fell in love quite literally um, with the East Coast eucalypts. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, dedicated, he became incredibly passionate, um, passed away and left, uh, you know, a, a tidy sum of money in trust um, to support um, the research, cultivation, understanding. Mm. Um, of, of eucalypts, so there's a whole trust called the yes. the Dale Trust. How do you spell Dale? D D A H H L. Dale. Dale. Ah, yes, yeah. So so the Dale Trust, and they funded a range of terrific projects. Yes. Some in botanic gardens, some way beyond that, some dedicated to research. I think the Dale Trust may have tipped some money into the Melton Botanic Gardens in recent okay. times to assist them with their okay. eucalyptus collection. What a wonderful thing to do if yes. you're passionate about yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So money held in trust. A real to living legacy. Yes. yes. Indeed, Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, money held in trust to support all things eucalyptus. Yes. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I must uh, remind listeners, you are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. Um, we'd love to hear from you this morning. If you have a gardening question, the number is 9. 9- Four one nine zero one double five. In the studio this morning we have Margot McDonald from the Garden Tap Nursery, John Arnott from Royal Botanic Gardens Cranbourne, and Lucille Strachan from Growing Friends of the Botanic Gardens here in Melbourne. So do give us a call nine four one nine zero one double five. John, while you're in the studio, I've been dying to find out. Um, you put out a call, or the gardens put out a call mm. a while back for public input into yep. a vision for the future yep. for the gardens. And I know you were saying it doesn't matter how weird or wacky your suggestion is, we want to hear all suggestions. Yep. Have, have the results been collated at all yet? Yeah, absolutely. We, we had um, 1,500 um, submissions. Wow. Which is pretty terrific. That's good. Uh, ranging if, um, from a whole, there were a whole range of simple things um, to, to some really, to some pretty interesting and quite wacky ideas. Okay. But it was, look, it was very, very fun doing the sorting. We've, we've mm. just completed the initial uh, kind of assessment of those ideas and we've, uh, We've got a, a directions paper, um, which we're about to circulate to the reference group and to um, uh, staff. Right. Uh, so we've been really busy over the last couple of months looking at the ideas plan and the ideas that were generated through that community consultation. 
putting them into different categories. Yes. Um, so there's categories, what are some of the categories? Biodiversity conservation and looking after the conservation zone. There were a bunch of ideas around um, living collections and um, the horticulture associated with the site. Yes. Uh, a whole range of ideas for research projects and, yes. and uh, a bunch of um, submissions around access and getting to and through the site. Um, you know, not surprisingly, things like public transport and cycle connectivity yes, and yes, things like that came yes. up as a major theme. Yes. So the kind of access and circulation was was, was looked at. Um, uh, events and um, you know activities that publicity could, marketing yeah, all, yes. those, all those types of things. Yes. Yeah. So there was about I think about eleven or twelve different themed areas that we okay. that we sorted um, the ideas against. Yes. Uh, and. Look, it's a, it's going to be a really, it has been a fantastic and fascinating thing to do to, to, to filter the ideas plan. Um, and there's some really, really good stuff coming through. Excellent. There's some really, really nice mm. suggestions coming through for kind of activating the site. Right. Um, uh, and there's some really, you know, there's some really strong things coming through in terms of ac- accessing and circulation. Mm. Some fantastic ideas for collections, uh, and some really interesting things around research and, um, uh, con- our conservation agenda as well. Okay. Yeah. So we've we've kind of synthesised that into a, a directions plan, which is not the master plan. No. It's just sort of saying, in response to these ideas, these are the things that that, that are, are coming through as themes. Yes. And here's here's the things that we're looking at um, uh, informing the the eventual master plan, which we'll be completing within the next few months. Right. Um, for people that have put in submissions, uh, in it's a little bit. In two or three weeks, maybe four weeks, we'll be taking our draft of the master plan and sending it to everyone who's put a submission in. So Great. For any 3CR listeners that have um, put, submitted, put something, su- submitted yes. ideas, and if we have an email address and uh, if you are contactable, There'll be something coming back from the gardens, you know, shortly. That's which, great. Which so everyone's getting feedback, which is excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah indeed. Yeah. Um, whether we can contact all fifteen hundred people that wow. have submitted <laughs> ideas, or, or uh, look, it's been interesting. Some some of the ideas have absolutely been embraced. Some of them have been interrogated. Um, <laughs> uh, what about the wacky ones? And, the, and, so, and some of the wacky ones have um, we've we've. We've kind of scratched our head and had a little bit of a laugh and, <laughs> and, and, and said no. <laughs> so there were things like, you know, put a golf course into our southern boundary. And oh. We thought, no, that's probably not consistent with our vision and mission and, no. and um, you know, things like that. Um, so, it, it, look, it's been a really, it's been, a, it's been fun. Yep. It's actually been a really fun activity to, yep. to, to get these 1,500 ideas and to look at them ob- objectively. But the other thing, John, is that it shows... People care about the gardens. Mm. Yeah. They're in, and they feel involved. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. So I think that is, is perhaps the biggest thing that's come out of this. That's exactly right. So that community consultation and the opportunity for people to connect with the gardens and suggest some, some things and mm. make some comments and maybe yeah. even voice a few concerns. And, you know, it's been a really wonderful mechanism for, for us engaging with, um, with our community. Excellent. And that's fundamentally what we're for. I mean, there used to be this view... And, you know, I heard it in the zoo's life that the zoo would be, this is a, 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 an old view. Yes. Um, that the zoo and botanic gardens would be fantastic places if it were not for the visitors that came in. <laughs> 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 we've, we've moved a hell of a long way away from Good, that. Good, I'm pleased. Because fundamentally, um, uh, it's about plants and it's about engaging people with plants. Absolutely. I mean, it's built in to our, um, our vision and our mission. Yes. You know, our, our vision is 
life is sustained and enriched by plants. Yes. Our mission is that every interaction that you have with the Royal Botanic Gardens Victoria will enhance your appreciation, your understanding um, of plant life. Yes. You know, that's kind of built into our, yes. our, our, our mission. Yes. Is connecting people with plants and Absolutely. increasing plant literacy. Yes. I mean, that's our agenda. Yes. Yeah. Well, you, you have a, a real, um, I think, a very, very high priority to educate the public with plants. Indeed. Mm. Yes. Yep. Yep. That's, our, that's who we are. Yes. We're educators. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully, you know, visits to our, our Royal Botanic Gardens mm. Melbourne and mm. the Crampton site inspires people to mm. love plants. Oh, yes. Appreciate can't plants. Help but do so. you, no, you yeah. can't, can you? No, <laughs> no you exactly. Can't. And John, have you found that there's a lot more visitation after, you know, it was made free? Oh, free? Ab- absolutely. We had a real spike. We, uh, and that's uh, continued? Uh, it's increasing at about 3% a year, which is kind right. of a, it's yep. so increasing. Mm. Um, one of the, one of the things in the ideas plan was, um, uh, increasing visitation specifically. That was something about trying to, you know, create opportunities to increase visitation and, and create opportunities to, to increase re- revenue and things like that. Yeah. So there were some some ideas submitted re- with respect to that. So our growth is increasing, you know, steadily. Yes. When the fee was removed a few years ago, it increased exponentially, mm-hmm. which was fantastic. I mean, it, it was a real impediment uh, to a visit was to have to pay money to get into the gate. Yes. Um, uh, since the since the fee was removed, it was it's liberated the gardens. It's mm. been yeah, really, terrific. It's been well, really good. we'd rather spend money on plants, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, indeed. <laughs> indeed. <laughs> okay, we have a board full of callers, so we must get to them. We'll go first to uh, Richard, who's down in Seaford. Good morning, Richard. Uh, good morning. Thanks for this fabulous program. Uh, you were talking earlier about um, kindergarten kids being involved with gardening. Yes. Well. Um, I'm involved with the community garden, Joy is the community garden in Frankston. Right. And we have a program there where kids, um, we have a kindergarten close by, and the kids have got a plot in our community garden, and once a fortnight, myself and a couple of other volunteers sort of uh, just spend an hour, or about half an hour, 40 minutes or so, just with the kids, just sort of... Um, Helping with the garden, showing them, you know, how to grow things, and, and it's really rewarding, you know. We, um, uh, they, they sort of learn saying that a lot of them know nothing about plants. A lot of them come from uh, places where they haven't had gardens and that sort of thing, and they're just masters in them and, um, and you know, digging the earth and identifying plants, and telling us what plants, what, what uh, plants, but what. plans for for also bringing in some of your um, local primary schools with perhaps a plot as well? We haven't, but we've got a lot of, we've got a lot of groups, but we have the local groups and that stuff, and we've got about four or five different uh, groups, like um, I think District North, and they've got a, they've got a um, section there, and, um, but we're, we're open, we have open days, we have various working days, we have working days, we have open days. Um, you know, um, it's a member, 
how we work, we've got sort of, uh, you can be a member, just be a member of the garden and just be involved with it, or you can pay a little bit extra and have your own plot. Right. Um, so we've got a really, uh, we've only been going about four years, but we've established from two tennis courts, mm-hmm. uh, which that's all there was, and if you saw it now, it's just amazing. It's just, uh, but, but just the involvement with the kids, it's just so, uh, you know, Yep. Excellent. And Richard, do, do, do you have um, a waiting list now for plots? We, we do now because we, <laughs> we had an open day last um, Saturday, actually. And we had the neighbours. There's neighbour day, so we went around to the list of all the, you know, red box in the local area. Right. So we've got a huge, big um, interest in that. Excellent. Very interesting in that. And uh, we do have a waiting list, but it's not long. And, uh, Always have people coming and going, and uh, wonderful. But it's a really good project, and uh, you know, yep. so kids are interested, and they do love it. Oh, absolutely, yes. I thought I'd share that with you. Yes, no, thank you for that. Next time you have an open day, Richard, um, yes. if you send through some information to us beforehand, we I'd can uh, that, make yes. mention so yeah, that um, other people can go. I'm one of these that lie in bed and listen to your program. <laughs> <laughs> are you in the sandy soils there, Richard? Down in yeah, Seaford? Yeah. Yep. yeah. So yep. how does that have a big... So we've got all those beds in our community garden and we've, yes. got, we've brought in soil and um, <clears throat> manures and that sort of thing. So we're not, you know, the beds themselves are not terribly sandy. But, uh, yeah, no, it's good. Very good for the project. Anyone listening to the area, please, um, you know, make them close. Excellent. No, thanks for ringing and telling us about it. No worries. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Right, next up we're going to Sue out in Ringwood. Good morning, Sue. Sue, are you there? Hello. We might uh, put Sue on hold and see if we can get her back. We'll go to Elaine in Burwood. Good morning, Elaine. Uh, Good morning, all. I want the name of some good lawn seed, please, uh, for my quarter-acre block. And I like to grow it about the matchbox size, uh, the height, uh, and the types that are on the market around it, the big green stores and things. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what's in it, so I wondered if you could give me some name of good lawn seed uh and where I buy it? Well, the only one I can recommend is a new combination seed. Yes. And it's put out by Yates, and it's called All Season. Okay. And it's got a mix of um, all sorts of seed, which means you're going to have some green right through the year and uh, various toughness of them. So, so possibly rice, fescues would be the mix, I would think. I haven't read that much yeah. on what's in there, but uh, we have trialled it at home. Rice And it's been good, and the, the kangaroos love it. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there's enough. Well, I there's haven't got any kangaroos, no. any kids, or no. any dogs on mine, so... Yeah, but, you know, it does, like, right through the year, there's green. Uh, so. Yes, well, it's a good time, I feel, for me to, uh, with the, all the damp dryness uh, that I've got, and mm. just bare earth now, and I don't want the weeds to come up. No, no. fair enough. No. Mm. Yep. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Okay. Bye. That number again, if you'd like to join us this morning, nine four one nine zero one double five. Margot, we haven't got to any of your plants yet oh, that you've brought right. in. <laughs> that's fine. Um, I was going to say that uh, there's a um, 
you know, the desire to plant has coincided with the, the dryness, but now people are actually thinking, well, I'm just going to plant because it's now or never before yeah. winter. Before and winter and the yeah, frost setting, yeah. yes. So they're just getting very savvy about uh, soil preparation, adding your compost and mulching and all the good practices to help ensure that the plants survive. Yep. And even they're getting more canny about water mm. and where they're getting it from and how mm. they're using it and so forth. So where there's a will to garden, we found there's a way. Oh, <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yes. But um, uh, some of the survivors this year have just been the three S's, sedums, sedums and salvias. Okay. And, okay. you know, just, they're just walking out the door still. Yes, right. So... Um, that's good. And uh, just one little sedum that I brought in today is one that people may not know about because you usually see the Autumn Joy one. That's right. Yes. Yeah, but this is a ground cover one. Uh, it's called Sedum Vera Jamison. And it only gets to about 20 centimetres high. I've, I've put a row of it along a bed in really hard clay right around the edge. And um, it's just lovely. And it's mm. it's got... Um, sort of a rich burgundy foliage mm. and the more it's in the sun which is where you plant a sedum yeah. uh, the richer the, the and more darker colours the foliage gets yeah. Yeah. and the flowers just sort of blend in with that sort of redness Okay. and I've got behind that some um, uh, oh, I can't even dahlias, you know, okay. with the oh, red yeah. foliage. Oh yes, yeah, right. yes. Bishop of oh, Landor. Yes. Yes. Well, we've got and a couple of yeah. those for sale at the Great. Yes. Yes. and um, lots of other sort yeah. of succulents and things, yes. and just the combination. Sounds very pretty. Yeah, yes. Well, I wouldn't call it pretty. And I put euphorbias with them too. Striking. Yeah. Yes. yes. And there's something to look at all year. Yes. Yeah. Um, they would be. Yeah. And these sedums, I mean, really, they just they get the frost on them, and so I leave them right till before well, they, spring. They die right down, don't they? Over Winter. Do you well, they just get frosty. They just. You know, but the autumn the, joy, yes. for instance, sedum autumn joy does die right down. Yes, I find, and you've got to chop yeah, off the old stems. But a lot of people like to leave the flowers that, that go oh, all yes. rusty and, yes. and get covered in the frost. Yes, they Beautiful. look stunning. So you can yes. really choose yourself when you want you to. But yep. gosh, aren't they amazing though? The way they yes. bounce back. Yes, we chop them off in the nursery fairly yes. early because yep. they're just unstable. Well, Yep. In the pots and they're so mm. heavy, mm. but um, and then immediately you can almost watch them as soon as you chop them. Yes. Up springs like the new growth, mini yeah. Brussels yeah. sprouts, and then they, they the sell again yeah. then because those <laughs> new growths look so yes. inviting. Oh, they do. So yes, uh, yeah, so Vera Jamison, I said and that's a really good little ground covery one. And, do we know who Vera Jamison yeah. was? Yeah. No idea, <laughs> and it doesn't <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it doesn't tell you. Anyway, uh, so that's one good one. In that sort of red vein, we've got um, some uh, something called Anthriscus ravenswing. Now, you, you, it could be in some areas a bit of a weed, I have to say. Okay. But because it's so dry up our way, it's n- not a weed. Okay. Um, <laughs> you're lucky if you can get it to go. But I just love it because it's got lovely burgundy, almost a burnt bronzy coloured foliage. Very, yes. very dark. Very feathery. Pretty. Yes. yes. It looks the foliage looks a bit like carrot and it's actually called the common name is cow parsley. Cow parsley. Okay. Right, yes. yeah. Um and I just love that because of its contrast to the greys and silvers in the succulents mm. and things like that. Lovely. And another one that looks nice with the sedums and dahlias. Mm. Yes. So it produces a big panicle of uh, yeah, flowers, a bit like, like Queen Anne's lace, but much smaller. Okay. Yeah, okay. and um you, if you're lucky you will get little seedlings you can make a you know a sort of a, a Drift of it, if yeah. you like, but um, lovely foliage, beautiful foliage, yeah. yeah. And the and the flowers are well, it says they're white, but uh, they come up on these dark, plummy-coloured stems, okay. and it's, they're 
they're not pure white. They're sort of a creamy, creamy, greeny sort of colour. So they're okay. just nice. They're something different. And thriscus. Mm. And thriscus raven's wing. Nice. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and the other one I brought in, Pam, was um, uh, one of the viburnums. I think uh, Stephen may have brought this in an, on occasion, but I only have learnt in the last few years that to get the berries on this one, you actually need a male and a female. Yes. I had no idea. And I, I used to wonder why the, you know, the, these plants would flower and not, some would produce berries and some wouldn't. Well, hello. <laughs> you, need, you need a male and a female. So I brought the female in today and it's got um, it's beautiful autumn berries. So gorgeous colour. Absolutely they? gorgeous. It's porcelain blue and, again, like that thanks to you, it's a, they're sort of um, metallic. Metallic, yeah. Yes. Really beautiful. And they sort of sit in amongst the foliage, but um, very distinctive. And the birds don't seem to, to eat them, yeah. so that's good. And um, I've put a row of these in a really difficult bed around our new garden, around the house, where most of the year it's in pure shade. True. And then in the summer it gets blasted by that, you know, when the sun comes around mm. to the west. Yeah. Yes. It gets absolutely blasted for the last um, half of the day. Okay. And it seems to be fine. So which viburnum yeah. is Oh, that? sorry, yes. Oh, you have to know those details. <laughs> yeah. Okay, viburnum davidii. Oh, yes. It's, it's got ribbed leaves. It's a small one and it really uh, like semi-sunny spot, although the label does say it'll take sun and it will take a bit, but, you know, I prefer to have it in a bit of shade. Uh, but I like it because it's not a big rangy shrub. It's um, mm. grows to about a metre, metre and a half by 75 centimetres wide. So it's like a little blob. Yeah. And the foliage has got ribs on it and um, it's, it's very textural. And then you get the flowers in the spring and the berries in the autumn. What more could you ask for? They're a terrific group, aren't they, Viburnums? Oh, oh they I love them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. especially up our way because they'll take the frost. And yep. Yes. Such a good range of them, interesting foliages, mm. lovely flowers, although mm. they're fairly fleeting, the flowers. Yeah. But um, just we'll, we'll take the frost. We love anything that will take the frost, really. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, minus seven. Yeah. So a bit okay. yeah, 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 absolutely. But, um, yeah. yeah, no, there's, there's a viburnum for every, every situation, I think. I'm just reflecting back on the, the garden that I grew up as a child, and we had um, a number of viburnums, inclu- including the opulus, which is the... Oh, yes. The, yeah, and yeah. at certain times of the year, the, 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 the whole floor underneath the, the, the tree would be like snow. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Beautiful. Just such beautiful, such beautiful plants. Yeah. Well, there's yeah. another one now that, that's in that line, has the great big snowball things, but they produce bunches of red berries, yes. red oh, berries, true. and it's right. called vi- viburnum um, not cuts variety. Yes. Not cuts, okay. Mm. And right. it's, it's lovely. It's fantastic, yeah. 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 A nice big shrub, yeah. and the, the berries all hang down, and the birds don't seem to eat no, them. No, so that's a bonus. Right? Yes. Yeah. I have that one, I grow that one, yeah. Mm. And it colours beautifully in autumn as well. Yes. It's just mine's beginning to turn now. Yeah, great. Yeah. So mm. good value. You're right about the berries. The birds don't seem to touch them. In fact, in the end, you've got to probably cut them off if you want to because they mm. look a bit daggy by the end. Well, the frost sort of, yes, makes them, you know, that thawing and <laughs> freezing, thawing. They look yeah. a bit drab yeah. after a while, but yeah. You it's know, really I can't think of any viburnums that have got away as, as weeds, which is good. Yeah. No, because yeah, <coughs> there, right. there is the yes. potential for you know those berry-producing plants to be distributed yeah, that's right. Right. As, yeah. as, as bird There must but be I something in there that the birds don't, is yeah. not good for their health, yeah. or you know, because yeah. mm. I'm sure they'd be onto it. They yes. would be, yeah. And oh, if they're going to present as weeds, they probably would have by now. Mm. Yeah. Yes, you would think so, yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, fantastic, excellent. Um, now, while we're talking about 
your garden. Yeah. You were also designing a garden, yes. which was in a very windy area. Yes. How's so that coming along? It's being redesigned by myself in my mind all the time because, it, yeah, you just, like the old saying, live in a place for a year yes. before you start oh, yeah, doing yes. it. It is just, in this case, couldn't be truer yep. because yeah. we had no idea what the seasons would throw at us. Okay. Mm. And because of climate change, everything is getting more extreme. Mm. Yeah. And the tricky part in designing is that we've got these lovely views and we don't want to be planting windbreak hedges and all of that. To, to yeah. obscure, yeah. obscure yes. the views. I, I'm going to resist the, the, you know, making garden rooms and all of this stuff. I want the big landscape. I mm. want to see all the kangaroos and, the, you know, all the <laughs> wildlife. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm just finding um, what is uh, tolerant. Yes. And it, gradually as the garden gets you know, more bushy, it will, mm. yeah, and that whatever goes in there, it has to survive mm. yeah. without a lot of water. And uh, we've had some successes and we've had a, a whole lot of failures. Yeah, oh, that's horticulture. <laughs> but it's a learning yeah. experience. Yeah, and, and just in that, I'm enjoying the challenge and uh, just the experience of uh, seeing what doesn't, won't, mm. what will and what won't work. Mm. So, mm. Do, you, um, do you capture what doesn't work? And would you or do you just keep mental notes? Do you keep records and things like uh, that? I haven't like, no, because I've been so busy with yeah. the nursery. But um, you know, with retirement looming, uh, maybe I will. <laughs> Probably a good idea. Now we've it. been taking photos. Yep. Yes. Yeah. You know, oh, you must take photographs. Yes. You'll be amazed in oh, five yeah. years' time. We're already the amazed at the difference. Yeah. yeah. And just yeah. having big excavators in there do work. It's just what they can do is just magic. Oh, yes, you know. two minutes flat, virtually. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. We've been thinking at, at, uh, at the gardens about how we capture information about plants that die, um, oh, you know, right. our, our dead mm. records. Yep. Um, there's been a bit of work, uh, and I think this was launched a couple of weeks ago, um, the succession strategy for the Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne. Um, and it's uh, uh, casting an eye to 2096, Oh, and, the pro- and the projected climate for 2096 and, and what plant species would be you know, suited to, to that change in climate. Mm. The suggestion is that Melbourne is going to be a little more like Dubbo or Parks or, mm. or, or Warwick in New South Wales right. and, or Southern Queensland. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so sort of hotter and drier. Absolutely. Well, I think mm. we're a bit like that already. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting to note that the... Um, the, the, there's a graph that sees you know the temperature just gently increasing over time and and, and rainfall in Melbourne yes. sort of slowly decreasing over time. So you know if all the modelling is suggesting that Melbourne's going to be hotter and and drier, and drier. And, you know, more like more like Dubbo. Yeah. And the Melbourne Gardens is actually it's a terrific bit of work which is available online. Uh, it's called the Landscape Succession Strategy okay. um, for the for the Melbourne Gardens and it's really saying that what are the what are the plant species which will be suited to, to dis- being displayed at the Melbourne Gardens? Still maintaining the exact same character. So the Melbourne Gardens will be garden-esque and it'll, it'll look and feel exactly like the Melbourne Gardens does now. But the composition of plant species will be very different. Mm. Yes. Um, yes. So be, we'll be selecting things now which will be future-proofed. And a mm. part of that is, is seeing things which are not thriving or failing to thrive, things that you know, are... Um, are dying even, mm. and and making records as to as to as to why, mm. and that's one of the things with our public gardens and botanic gardens is that that we are growing plants from well outside their natural ranges, mm-hmm. and understanding a lot about the various tolerances, heat yes. tolerances, mm. water tolerances, frost tolerances. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, so this landscape succession strategy is a really good bit of work, yes, which excellent. will see the Melbourne Gardens still the Melbourne Gardens and looking and feeling exactly the same. 
but species composition being quite different. Fantastic. Mm. Yeah, it's a great bit of work. Yeah. Really good thing to have a look at if yeah. you're interested in future-proofing yes. your garden mm. is the, the, the principles that sit behind this succession strategy. Right. Mm. Wonderful. Thanks yeah, for that. Well, yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Let's go to uh, John, who's down in Hampton. Good morning, John. Good morning. Um, I've got a question about uh, fertinias. I've got two very old fertinias, when I say old, about 12 years, that have grown quite high, about three metres high in the front garden. Mm -hmm. It's a north-facing front garden. And I've I've had to prune them recently quite um, hard because they were overhanging everything and there were a few complaints about them. So, But at the same time... About three years ago, I'd planted some more along the front, another seven or so, um, in order to try and create a hedge, the the, um, well-known Fertinia hedge. But, of course, the ones in the middle are miles bigger than these smaller ones that have only been there for three years. Now, I'm just wondering about trying to get everything coordinated together and how much I can actually cut these um, older ones and when I can cut them and, and so forth. Can you offer any suggestions there? Who's well, going to go for this one? Well, <laughs> I actually have. Um, the property I bought, uh, and I'm, up, I'm not far from Cainton, um, property I bought had a perimeter planting of eucalypts underplanted with fertinia. Yes, And yes. I never water them. Uh, oh, yes. And they look very hangdog in the middle of summer often when it's no rain. But they will cut. uh, You can literally cut them down to the ground and they'll reshoot. I don't suggest perhaps you do that. No, I won't do that. But yes, they're very prunable and they will uh, shoot back. And they don't mind being cut right back into old wood. They seem to reshoot. And I've been doing, well, mind you, I've been trimming mine back the ones that are on the, along the perimeter. And I've got some others near my garage, yeah. which I'm trying to reduce in height and bush up a little bit. Yeah. So I'm more or less doing uh, what you've been doing. So you can cut them back really hard. And this is a good time now? Um, is it? Because I noticed new growth on them from the yes. previous hatching. Yes, well, I had mine cut back. Uh, I think I got the arborist in... Oh, I don't remember whether it was late last year or early this year. <clears throat> but anyway, they've, um, they've certainly, I think it was late last year, so that was yeah. summer, and they're beginning to shoot now. Yeah. Uh, I think you could probably do it. Now? Uh, you could do it now, but yeah. we're going into winter. Yeah. Uh, are you suburban? Yes, yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Uh, so you probably could, or you could wait a little while. I think you could probably I get away with Hampton, it now. It, you know, it's fairly Hampton. tropical yeah. in Hampton. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, compared to get away with it. Yeah. Yes, compared <clears> to <throat> yes. But you're not going to get heavy frost in Hampton. No, 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 no. we don't get heavy frost. No, that's right. No. And um, we're, ha- we're all standing here with our seconds, you see, anxiously. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. how, how hard do you need to go back? I mean, are you gonna, is, well, it, is it a handsaw job? or The older one is quite a bit higher. It's about 12 foot high. Yes. And the other ones are about two to three years old. They're only, they're very thin, you know, the, the trunk is not that thick No, yet. well, I'd, I'd trim those, yeah. perhaps. Yeah. Uh, uh, tip prune them, almost. Tip prune them, mm. yeah. yeah. And the others you can take back um, 
quite hard, as yeah. I've told you, you can. There's a neighbour not far from me who did that, and there was, I don't know exactly why they did it, but uh, because it was a wonderful fence yeah. and gave them protection and privacy, right. yeah. and they took them back to the ground. But I, don't, so, okay. I think they wanted to change the whole look there, but yeah. um, that's another story. So I think you can, and yeah. you can probably do it now. I'd probably give them a little encouragement with a bit of... Fertilizer. Yeah, well, that was what I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, not too much, thing? but a bit. What's a good thing to feed them with to get them moving once I don't oh, can't imagine that you're fussy. No, 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 general all round fertiliser would do. How, I'm just trying to get a feel for how hard you're going to have to cut. Is it handsaw job into... It will be a handsaw job. Limbs as thick as your arm or not... Not quite that thick. Yes, yeah. 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 Some of them would mm. be, you know, maybe or four inches, to, you know, just cut, yeah, but at least four to five inches. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's um, I've already removed a few of those, but the ones that were overhanging, but it's still ones up that are still pretty thick. Yeah. Yes. And as mentioned, they'll, they'll take that hard prune yes. without, yeah. and, and they'll re-sprout. Mm. Well, um, that's, that's right. I wanted to sort of get them back to slow them down so the others can catch up somehow. I, I guess the only comment that I would make is that, that if you hard pruned now, they, they would probably look Horrible. hard pruned for, for quite yes. some time. Yeah, that's what yeah. I and, thought. And yeah. maybe you're better off hard pruning to coincide with a, a flush of growth. So, yes, they, so they look awful for a, a, a smaller a period, period of time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so possibly spring, possibly mm. spring and then they'll bounce okay. back in. Oh, no, they might even put on a, 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 a winter a, a flush. Yes. Now. Yes. Yeah. Well, they, they, they the ones that we cut, which we, we cut about three a month ago, yeah. they've already started Don't putting oh, new yes. stuff, new yeah. growth. And so. if you if you cut down lower than the height that you want, yeah. then the new growth will cover the cuts. It should fill well, up. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It will fill up, yeah. yes. Well, it sounds, and, and to feed them, did you say just a general? Just a general all-purpose fertiliser okay, will do. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much for that They're advice. That's very helpful. Tough plants. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are very tough plants. Very useful. Yeah, well, that's yeah. right. Okay. Good luck okay, with that. Okay. Right. Bye. Bye. Right. Next we have uh, Bernie, who's out in Langwarren. Good morning, Bernie. Good morning to you all. Um, yes. A question. I had to move a lemon that's been in a position that hasn't moved at all because the soil is like rock hard. You've got to mattock it to um, break it up. Right. And I've moved it to a raised garden bed. Yes, I'd like um, that. I've staked it and everything else. It's around about four foot tall. Um, and I'd like to know whether I need to prune it because um, sometimes you do get frost in May, don't you? Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah. As we're about to start. And um, it's April. Yeah. So do you, you're thinking you need to prune it because you've no, transplanted it? No, do I need to prune it? Because of the because of the transplant, yes. Uh, look, uh, the rule of thumb would say that you, that you would remove some um, of that foliage just because uh, there's no it, leaves on it. It's just oh, there's no leaves on it. Mm. Mm. I'd, I'd I'd give it I think it's a Lisbon. I would be starting a program of plant starter. Mm. If you haven't got that, um, then seaweed, liquid seaweed. Yes, I've put that on. Yeah, uh, the plant starter has got like a growth hormone which stimulates some roots. And um, mm. I know the lecturer from Burnley, Trigger fellow whose name escapes me right now, he's been just raving on about yeah. the plant starter. John Fordham. If John, John Fordham, Fordham, thank yeah. you, Pam, um, about its uh, ability to get plants it's really. It's, it's yeah. a really good product. Yeah, yeah. as yeah. opposed to. Um, all the benefits of seaweed, great seaweed, but this is really good to get yes. a, a plant starting again. Yes. Yep. The yep. root 
It's yeah, and you'd yeah. be good to get some leaves on that before winter, mm, wouldn't it? Yes. Yeah. Um, now, um, what's the name of the plant? What brand is it? Any, star? just Plant Starter. Plant Starter. Yeah, we sell some and it's called Plant Starter. Plant Starter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it just, it just stimulates that root activity mm. and root, root induction. Yes, yeah, so, as I say, the, the, I, I lifted the plant itself and the ball came up all right, all like clay soil, um, yeah. intact. That's good. But around it, it hadn't moved... And only put a few blossoms on which didn't come to anything. Yes. And like I say, the soil is absolutely rock hard. You cannot dig it with a spade no yeah. or a fork. And they really like free draining soil. Yes, mm. well, this is where I've put it to that has that situation. Yeah, great. Good. Well, that's a good move. Yeah. Um, I think you've probably done that lemon tree over the longer term a, 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 a very a good, good service. service. Yeah. And mulch so, it. So, in sum up, I, I wouldn't need to prune it. Well, if you've got no leaves, no, I'd no... be inclined to just leave it. Yep. Let no. it establish yes. itself again. Okay. Yes. And once you've got that new growth coming on, then you could think yeah. about maybe just even tip pruning it. But I'd, I'd leave it alone for the moment. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. That answers my question. Well, thanks very much. Okay. Yeah, Thank Bye. you. And we've got uh, Sue in Ringwood back again. Good morning, Sue. Hello. And thank you for taking my call. I do have two questions. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm I'm trying to get a Angothera constanta in a dwarf form, and I can't seem to find one, although I was told that they used to grow them, and I thought you might know where I could find one. And the second question is, I purchased a Corymbia physifolia. It's not a dwarf one, and the tag says 10 metres, and I'm tempted, I'd like to put it on my nature strip. What do you think? Uh, ten metres plus is is the potential for physifolia. Whereabouts where you're in Ringwood? So, um, what's your soil there? Is it a, a reasonably it's, rich it's soil? Actually, I'm closer to Heathmont, and the soil is commonly called Heath, Heathmont grey clay. It's a, like a grey loam over clay. Okay. Um, look, I mean. <laughs> Carimbia physifolia is just so very, very variable. You can see them as, as really large trees, and you can see them as, as you know, nicely shaped smaller trees as well. Um, as a nature strip tree, um, have you got power lines over the top of, of you where you are? Yes, but they're fairly high. Should um, I prune it as it grows? I mean, you... It's still going to grow. They, they still grow. They, they, look, they can potentially be something which would hit the lines and... and present a, a, a bit of an issue. Uh, my sense would be that you would be better off planting a, a, a sort of a known, smaller growing variety. Um, mm. That would be my okay. recommendation. Th- th- that, that said... Um, There's some wonderful miniature flowering gums out now. Um, I know in Templestowe we've got them as street trees. Yeah. You know, and, and, and they're... Well, the Luke, that Lucoxland petiolaris, yes. they're typically planting under, yes. under uh, power lines. Yeah, so I think, I think you could maybe have a better choice for a nature strip. Right. So the dwarf um, uh, Carimbia um, physifolias would be terrific in that situation. They don't seem to grow very well here. The fellow across the road has got one. He paid a fortune from it for from Karanga, and it's not growing well at all. Okay. They, they can be a little hit and miss as well. Yeah, well, yeah. he's is definitely he's a miss. He's a miss. <laughs> yeah. um, and the, the dwarf 
uh, Angophora costata. It, it, I mean, it is, yeah. there are a number of wholesale nurseries which have got it in production, so it should be available. It should be available out there. You know, I'd be thinking along the lines of specialist native plant nurseries. I um, mean, Karangu should surely Karangu, be able to order so. it in for you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't catch that. Karanga, if they don't have it, I'm sure they could order it in for you. I've actually been to Karanga. Yes. And they said the only place they could find for me was a mob over in Narry Warren called Specialty Trees. Specialty and they're trees. wholesalers. Uh, but yes, but yeah. if it's ordered in to a retail nursery, then you're fine. They weren't eager to do that. Okay. Well, try a, try a different nursery. If you know the if you know the wholesaler, um, go to another nursery, even your local nursery, and ask if they would uh, order that in for you. I'll do that. Do you, can you tell me how high the dwarf variety grow, please? Because the one I saw in the nursery that's not a dwarf said ten meters. Um, yeah, well, that would be that would be right. I mean, I'm just having a look at the specification on speciality trees. Um, and it is up to 10 metres, yeah. So that's dwarf so relative that's to a 30 metre tree. dwarf one goes up to 10 metres. Yeah, because mm. otherwise it goes to up to 30, John's saying. That's right. So the one I saw that had a tag that said 10 metres must have been the dwarf version, even though they didn't say dwarf on the label. Well, potentially, yes. Yeah. Oh, I think I might pop back and get it then. <laughs> Thank you so much. You've been really helpful. There's a, look, there are, I'm just, have you got access to the internet at all? Because um, yes. the Speciality Trees website, and, and they're the wholesaler, so they do, they do distribute to, um, to retail nurseries. They've got a, a, a number of Carimbia maculata forms. Um, oh, thank so it you might be very worth, much it, it indeed. It might just be worth having a look at their website and making a selection from there and seeing if you can get someone to supply that. them. Thank you for and, and, and probably on the website they will say who they distribute to? Uh, yes. Possibly, yeah. Yes, yeah. they've got a good mm. website. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much indeed. Okay. Bye. Okay then, bye-bye. Right, we are running through until 9.15, so if you'd like to jump in and ask a question, do give us a call. The number is 9 Four one nine zero one double five. That's nine four one nine zero one double five. John, um, we should also mention, and I know this is this is one definitely for the diaries, but um, there's huge plans for a celebration of kangaroo paws. Shall In, I put it that way? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Uh, yes. Yeah, the festival of the poor. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the not the hairy kind. Not the hairy kind. <laughs> Um, that's in November, so uh, the Kangaroo Paw Festival is, um, will be held at the RBG Cranbourne. Um, we're this week actually we're getting a huge delivery of kangaroo paws coming down from Sydney, right? Um, as tube stock and as plugs, and we're going to pot them and plant them, and um, it's approaching 5,000 kangaroo paws that we're going wow, to add to wow. add to the collection at the at the at the Cranbourne Gardens in a number of different locations. Yes, um, so it'll be. Uh, it, it'll be fantastic. So it'll be a wonderful display of kangaroo oh, paws yeah. in November. Excellent. Uh, and that's supported by a picnic weekend, which is the 19th and 20th of November. And then the following uh, weekend, there's a, a, a seminar, 
which is looking at um, a whole range of I- I- issues around kangaroo paws, the science of kangaroo paws, the conservation of kangaroo paws, the selection, the horticultural applications, mm. uh, knowing and growing them, and uh, it'd be a really cracking weekend mm. planned for That's later good in November. because there's so much confusion now because there's so many different categories of yep. them, and yep. some of them are done just purely for cut flowers, yes. and they're hopeless in the garden. Yeah. So if you buy one of those and stick it outside, yep. terrible, you know, yep. instant death almost. And yeah. um, there's, they don't tell the public that. Um, no, and, and that's you know, part of Which our... Which people off. Uh, they don't exactly. um, you know, And that is part of our uh, uh, aim, uh, particularly with this seminar, is mm. to explore really good landscape plants, yes. yeah. um, plants yeah. that might be best in containers because some of those things um, some of the bush gem range they're the, the, the smaller dainty mm, growing yeah, ones yeah. as garden plants are not all that great but no. they're, they're, they're pretty good in containers and you can get yes. two and three years out of a bush gem in a container but you'd struggle to get those to be to survive much beyond the first year in Yes in, and in I think containers. you're right I think sure. for home gardeners it's, it's given kangaroo paws a bad name Yeah no. but there's a whole range of really ones great that, garden plants really which, are, which, yes, which, are the, exactly. which are the landscape range so, Yes exactly um, There's a, a bunch of species associated with Anagazanthus but anything with flavitus in its parentage Tough They're, they're the taller the tougher ones yeah. Yes So they'll take yeah. moister wetter soils on the east coast yeah. um, for longer and they're much more to- tolerant of a range of conditions and in the garden And stuff yeah. And to be quite honest Thank you, I, thank you. I find them more spectacular in the home garden anyway. I I do too. Yes. I I do prefer those. I I, I definitely prefer them, yes. Particularly if you can get, you know, them backlit with the light coming through. They can Mm, look stunning. And, you know, the range of uh, flower colours are just incredible from purples and mauves all the way through to yellows and oranges and reds Mm. and... Uh, yeah, greens. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Know, I really, yeah, I really do like the green flowers. Mm. Yeah, With the green yeah. foliage. Yeah. And will you block plant in colours at the gardens? Uh, yep, yep. So there's a couple of hot spots. Uh, one will be the cultivar garden, mm-hmm. um, and the cultivar garden we're, we're planting in rows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there'll be these distinct rows of, of kangaroo paws in, in in lines. So they're kind of hedgerows. Uh, in the um, arbor garden, we're going to be doing big blocks, you know, so blocks mm. of 20 and 30 and 40 individuals, so drifts oh, fantastic. Uh, of, of, of different mm. colours, um, ranging all the way through to some species on in, in some of the areas of, say, House and Hill, which is a, a, a Mallee, uh, an area which is dedicated to um, Mallees and Mallee understory plants. Some of the Western Australian species will be introducing into the Mallee areas. Mm-hmm. So okay. cultivars, it, it, it'll be a whole range of different kangaroo paws from the little dainty ones. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, 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 the species and some of the big, robust landscape plants. Mm. John, your job just sounds like fun. Oh, it's fun. How many are you going to plant? Uh, approaching 5,000. 5,000. Yeah. And how many in your team to do that? Uh, we've got a team of 17 people, oh. but we will be um, working. This is a, a collaboration between the friends of the uh, RBG Cranbourne, the Cranbourne friends and, and, and the garden. So it's a joint yeah. um, initiative. It's a, a real collaboration. That's yeah. right. So the growing friends have put their hand up and they're going to help us. Pot and, and plant, mm. uh, yep. as with our garden ambassadors. So, so there'll be um, opp- opportunities for our immediate supporters to get their hands dirty as well, which mm. would be great. great idea. Yeah. Now, I, sh- I should um, tempt the listeners a little bit more with some of the, the details of this, this 
celebration of kangaroo paw because sure. um, first up, you've got the, the picnic, as you yep. mentioned. That'll be taking place over 19th and 20th of November. That's it. Now, there's going to be displays and a plant sale there from the, the growing from the friends. Growing friends yep. But it's also going to be the launch of Angus's new landscape one, which is Landscape Violet. Which is just amazing. It, it, it <laughs> seems... Unnatural to have a violet <laughs> shade of kangaroo, kangaroo paw, but yep. it looks stunning. It's a beautiful plant. It is a very and and incredibly healthy. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So that's all taking place 19th and 20th of November. Then, as John said, the following weekend, there's a three-day symposium. But it's interesting they've divided the symposium up. Yep. So the first day is dedicated to science and botany. Yep. Um, the second day is all about, um, particularly for landscape design and contractors and nurseries. Yep. So it's all about cultivation, design, diseases. And then day three, especially for home, home gardeners. Yep. Yes, which um, I think that's, that's really excellent. And we'll have Angus Stewart on hand and Angus will be doing tours and, and things like that as well. So, Wonderful. Um, yeah, Angus is... Uh, we're getting some terrific support um, from certainly Angus Stewart and a company called Rams Botanicals in um, okay. in Sydney who are donating you know the, the plant material. Fantastic! It's really wonderful, and yes. you know the friends. It's uh, it's lovely to be working in collaboration with the friends on a project. Mm. It's really good. Mm. It's going to be great fun. Oh, it yeah. is. Yes, yeah. so definitely one for the diaries. Yes, people. indeed. Yep. Yes. Okay, and we'll give more information out as we as we get it closer. To the date. Sure. Um, our good friend Alex has rung in. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. He's, he's put in a suggestion. Um, which is Angophora hispida, uh, which is this, it's a, a lovely Angophora, mm-hmm. a lovely small tree. It's one of the eucalypts which is, we're um, suggesting people grow on our eucalypts for mm-hmm. small gardens. Um, we've got a lovely specimen of Angophora hispida in the forest garden. Um, but really good suggestion for a, a small growing uh, Angophora Right size, you could plant that under your power lines and you'd be fine. Excellent. Yeah. And beautiful bark. Doesn't beautiful it bark. Beautiful sort of furry, almost furry bark. Go- gorgeous bark. Mm-hmm. Interesting foliage, nice mm-hmm. flowers. Cracking suggestion, Alex. Yep. yep. Okay. <coughs> Let's try and get to these uh, callers before we run out of time. First up, we'll go to uh, Philip, who's in Richmond. Good morning, Philip. Yes, good morning, everyone. Um, yeah, um, I think this question probably uh, uh, for John. I've been um, enjoying hearing all his reports this morning. Um, 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 I'm in um, uh, inner city Melbourne. Um, we've got a calistamine. Um, it's a cultivar, and I've been trying to find the tag, but I've lost it because I planted it about 20 years ago. Okay. Um, it, it's about, uh, about two and a half metres high. It's always been healthy. It has uh, pink flowers in the spring. Um, I noticed last week that the top... Uh, sort of 12 inches at the top of the plant um, most of the stems have either been stripped or the leaves appear almost to be skeletonized. Mm. now the rest of the plant appears healthy at the moment and so I've never um, you know I'm fairly keen uh, native gardener and um, I've never quite seen anything like it and I'm just wondering if John might have any suggestions, there are a number of um, uh, chewing cap- caterpillars um, mm-hmm. that will uh, uh, that are host specific on calistamines. So, so uh, a number of 
native moth species, the, 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 the larvae, the caterpillars of the moths will, will host on calistamins. Uh-huh. So it, what you're likely to have is a little native moth or something similar, um, right. which is, which is uh, eating your calistamin, the foliage. Mm. Um, it, it shouldn't affect the plant to the point where it, it would kill it. Uh, right. You know, I'd be. At the, at how heavily predated is the is the calistamin being? Is um, it, is it co- well, cosmetic it, or superficial? Or a little little bit beyond that. Um. Well, it, it, it's really only obvious on the top. So it's about two and a half minutes. So you don't even, as you walk past it, either from the street or our driveway, you wouldn't um, actually notice it. But I was actually up pruning some other things and I just noticed the whole top of it was like this so hmm. look I think if you take a good close look there's there's a, there's some calistamins that'll roll that there's some moths that'll roll the leaves together and make some webbing yeah it, the, you may you may find there's a little bit of webbing in there as well but um, I'd be almost convinced that it would be an indigenous moth species yes. uh, right. and, and I'd be um, leave well alone. I'd be leaving well alone yeah. yeah. The, the so, calistamins have got the capacity to 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 re to regrow after that. Right. After that. So that I, I just wondered, should I actually prune that material off and dispose of it? Would, would you prune? I'd, look, I would. Tree? I'd be tempted just to leave. You would. Yeah. Leave the okay. light, Leave uh, leave it to allow the life cycle of the moth to continue. Right. Um, uh, yeah. And um, look, of course, you can prune calistins, and they will respond really well to to, to pruning. Yes, yeah, um, no, but if it's only yeah. su- if it's only superficial and only on the top at this point, I'd be tempted to yeah. just uh, leave it, Philip. And because it's over twenty years, I, I actually began to wonder: oh, is this the beginning of the end of the plant? You know, is it beginning, has it been attacked by something and it's beginning to die? And you know, this, this is the first step. Um, it doesn't sound like no, that, it does it, John? No, no. it doesn't. No. No. But, but you can, um, you, you certainly c- could prune calistamins and, and that does extend their, their life because it, it, yeah. it, it produce a, a flush of new growth. Okay, so, so your suggestion would be just leave it, maybe keep an eye on it. I think yeah. a watching brief at, at this, this point. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and look, can I ask another completely different question on a different topic? Sure. Um, well, we have a neighbour who uh, has abandoned their house at the back, and it had a large garden. Um, the garden, um, the, the lady who lived there um, uh, grew a number of fruit. Those passion fruit have now become totally rampant mm. and have have completely invaded our garden up to metres and metres away, and the next-door neighbours have, to- have had the same discussion with them. And I've tried, you know, uh, pulling it out and cutting it out and mm. pruning it back, and it it has stems like a grapevine. It, it sounds it, like it's the understock. Does it have a, it a yellow... Have you seen the fruit? Is the fruit? Oh, look! It hasn't fruited for years, but it, it yeah. is. It is like a jungle. It is yeah. three three meters high, coming over the fence, and a, and a sort oh, of a dull green leaf rather than a shiny shiny green. Um, leaf. Well, it, it sends up runners through mm. the garden. Yeah, yeah, it's no, it's the understock. Yeah. I'd go and talk to your neighbour. Um, no, a no. Chat. Well, no, it's been abandoned. The oh. house has been abandoned. So this, so this is the problem. I can't speak to the gardener. Um, hesitant to use poisons of any sort. Mm. Um, now I'm just wondering what I can do because it is literally out of control and it just seems no matter what I do, there's more and more and more coming up. So the house is empty, is it? It's empty, yeah. And, and the garden, it, in fact, it, it, it is so rampant that it um, uh, strangled a, 
a uh, a large uh, lemon tree wow. and a number oh. of other trees in her backyard. Ring the council and tell them. Ring the council. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's probably. And and, and 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 from a home gardener point of view, I mean, what can I actually do in my garden? Love. Try to prune it back. But You've got to remove it. You've got to remove yeah, the well, suckers. What, what, what they're doing is they're suckering from, from the root system of that, of that particular plant. So its mm. roots are, it sounds like, they're, they're all through your garden. Mm. I mean, persistent, yeah, you could persistently <laughs> remove those yeah. things and uh, theoretically yeah. you'd exhaust. But if the parent plant is up and at them, yeah. uh, I think you've got yeah. to really deal with it at the source. Yes. Right, okay. Well, thanks for that. And look, just a quick question, John, on all your suggestions for the botanical guns. Did, did anyone suggest um, uh, a fire retardant um, area, or, you know, just growing plants which would reflect good fire retardant species? Uh, the idea for a fire retardant garden did come up, um, and it was one of those ideas that we that we have and continue to debate as mm. to whether it's a, a, a valid idea or a good idea. Mm. Um, the, the sort of the bushfire conditions that we experienced on Black Saturday, um, the fire was moving on stubble in paddocks. Yes. Um, so in those conditions, there's no such thing as a, a plant which is not flammable. Mm. There are things which are less flammable, um, but I think a really good strategy for for um, uh, the, the the strategy that, that we would suggest that people employ is to go with inorganic mulch and um, to prevent fire ladders in in your plantings. Mm. And a, an example of a fire ladder would you you would have a ground cover a ground cover under a shrub under a tree, and the fire would potentially just ladder up into the top of the tree and, and, and crown. So yeah. the suggestion for good, robust fire, reducing fire risk is to remove fire ladders and uh, avoid the use of organic mulches rather than plant selection. Mm. Okay. okay. Yeah, we... that's great. Thank you all. Okay, bye. Thanks, Rick. I'm afraid we've run out of time for yet another week, so um, I'm sorry, Mary and Anne, we can't get your calls today, but if you'd like to ring in early next week, we will uh, try and continue the theme. Um, a big thank you to all the team this morning, uh, particularly to Jenny, who's been handling all the calls this morning. And, of course, we'll be back next week at 7.30. Till then, bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.